Israeli-Palestinian conflict that we saw really explode over the weekend. We're going to try to set the table a little bit and just clarify and confirm what is going on because this is pretty complicated and pretty layered and quite nuanced. So there are some terms that you've likely seen over the weekend, some organizations that maybe you're not familiar with. We're going to try and get everybody on the same page here um, because this is something that looks like we are going to be talking about and thinking about for quite some time. And wondering about the broader implications of what looks to be the beginning of a war. Our guest is a professor and associate chair of political science at Carleton University, Dr. Mira Sukarov. Dr. Sukarov, thank you so much for making the time this afternoon. You're very welcome. So uh, let's just sort of start by defining who it is that's involved in this conflict. We've got um, we've got Israel, we've got uh, Palestinian organization Hamas. Let's start with Hamas. Who Who or what are they? Hamas is an Islamist organization, which is to say they uh, govern through Islamic principles and they rule the Gaza Strip. Of course, not every Palestinian who lives in the Gaza Strip supports Hamas, but they are the effective ruler of the Strip. But not on- they're not the only uh, group that governs people's lives in the Gaza Strip. Israel does to a large extent as well. Israel, since 2007 has held a siege on Gaza, a blockade of the airspace, of sea access, and along with Egypt, of ground access in terms of who can come in and out and what materials can come in and out. Okay. And when we're talking about Palestine, are we talking about a place? Are we talking about an area that's been designated within Israel that this group has sort of taken ownership of? The best way to think about Palestine in one sense is that Israel is Palestine and Palestine is Israel. You won't find the word Palestine on a current map, however. So if you're thinking about how to read the whole area, we can think this way. In the middle is Israel proper, and that is where everyone who resides within Israel is a citizen. 20% of Israeli citizens are Palestinian. They're They were the ones who remained behind after the catastrophe of 1948, after what they call the Nakba, where 750,000 Palestinians fled or were expelled from their homes, towns and villages as the state of Israel was being founded. So that's the middle area is the state of Israel. To the west is a small strip of land along the Mediterranean Sea, which borders Israel the Mediterranean and Egypt, and that's the Gaza Strip, and that's what's what we're what all eyes are on today is the violence between the Gaza Strip, run by Hamas, and Israel. To the east is the West Bank, and there Palestinians are under more direct military occupation by Israel, and that's where Israelis set up checkpoints. They control freedom of movement. At times, they engage in night raids of Palestinians inside their home. They pull out Palestinians for administrative detention. It's occupation, it's military occupation rather than democratic rule of law. In addition, in the West Bank, there's also a Palestinian governing body called the PA or the Palestinian Authority. They have much more limited powers, but they do have some governance role, particularly in Palestinian cities. When we're talking about the Gaza Strip, I mean, that, that that location, I think, is likely a familiar one for a lot of people because that's an area that's been um, fought over for a long time. Talk about its significance. Well, what's really important to know is that the majority of people who live in the Gaza Strip are either refugees or descendants of refugees from 19, pre-1948 Israel. So as Israel was being formed, 
there was a civil war and then there was an interstate war between the Arab states and Israel and Israeli forces and pre-state Israeli forces really um, hit hard on Palestinian villages and towns and, and Palestinian population centers and cities. And 750,000 of those Palestinians in 1948 fled. And many of them fled to the Gaza Strip. Many of them fled into um, fishing boats, which may have taken them north to Lebanon or Syria. Many Palestinians lived up until today and their descendants in refugee camps in Gaza, Lebanon, Jordan, and all around the world. So there's Palestinians who've made their way over the years to Canada and who are citizens of Canada, just like me and you. Okay. So this this longstanding tension, as I, as I mentioned, is something that, you know, we've We've heard a lot about, but it has been pretty quiet since I think about 2014. And I'm hoping you can clarify there. Why now are we seeing such an increase? What has fueled this? Well, it's really important to note that the major attack by Hamas on Israeli uh, civilians, the Israeli southern communities called kibbutzim, the agricultural communal villages that dot the area in the um, the southern part of Israel next to the Gaza Strip, where I have very close family, um, friends, and it was a major surprise attack. So, And it was an attack unseen in all of Israel's history for an attack of this scale from Palestinian forces. Um, there will be major criticisms of the government mm-hmm. of Israel by Israelis for failing to anticipate this attack, the major intelligence failure. So it's hard to know why now for exactly, except that they were Hamas was planning this in, in a very detailed fashion. But in general, there is a lot of anger and resentment by Palestinians in Gaza for the Israeli siege. Israel controls the population registry. Israel controls electricity. Um, if Palestinians have nowhere to go, uh, they can't enter and exit very, very easily. Um, and there's also the ongoing occupation in the West Bank. There's been IDF raids on towns in the West Bank. There's been police action by Israel on uh, holy sites in Jerusalem. So when Hamas first unfurled their attack, they made statements referring to the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem and referring to the police raids there. But, you know, it's not one single thing. I think it's just a uh, a buildup of pressure, and it's a good opportunity for Hamas um, to build up domestic uh, popularity. But at the same time, they knew uh, that Israel would respond harshly, and Israel is responding very harshly, and hundreds of Palestinian civilians are being killed as well in the Gaza Strip because they have nowhere to go when Israel bombs. So I've already seen some some rumblings online about criticism in regards to Israel um, not not seeing this coming and the intelligence sort of falling apart, if if you will, to to not sense that something of this magnitude was going to take place this weekend. What does Israel have in terms of intelligence, in terms of military support, and and then can you compare that to what Hamas or the Palestinian organizations are bringing to this? Uh, well, Israel has a lot of intelligence, but the intelligence clearly failed in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamas will have its own ways of finding out information as well. It's not nearly as sophisticated as as, as the intelligence sector in Israel. Um, in terms of weaponry, Israel's weapons are much more sophisticated and much more powerful. But Hamas just used very uh, basic um, uh, ways of um, fighting and attacking Israeli civilians, shooting them, um, trucks. Uh, they came in, we think, on hand gliders. They mm-hmm. did use some explosive to storm the, the fortified fence between the Gaza Strip and southern Israel. 
Um, so it's a very, as, you know, mil- military analysts would call this a very, normally a very asymmetrical conflict in terms of the types of force at the disposal of Hamas versus Israel. But Hamas has managed through its um, guns killing um, uh, uh, basic munitions as well as its rockets, which are much inferior to Israeli rockets, but or to Israeli bombs and, and uh, Israel's air force. But nevertheless, Hamas has managed to rack up um, hundreds, I think it might even have met the 1,000 mark today, casualties in Israel, nearly all of whom are civilians. So if, if Hamas is seen as inferior in terms of their weaponry and their military backing, do they have do they have broader global support that they're hoping to rely upon? Like how how is this something that they're going to continue to fight long term? What's the goal here? Well, Iran is a is a major supporter of Hamas, so that's who they can count on most of all. But the goal would be to continue putting pressure on Israel and perhaps um, have Israel uh, loosen its siege, uh, reduce the occupation or end the occupation, allow refugees to return. But, I mean, this isn't uh, an attack of this magnitude is going to lead to um, a huge degree of Israeli trauma. And it's very unlikely that Israel will make the kinds of concessions that uh, Palestinians would want them to make. How much? How does religion play into this? Well, Hamas uh, gains some of its support through religion, and also has used religion and its network of mosques to supply social services to Palestinians, which is the way that Hamas initially in the late '80s, when it came on the scene, which is the way Hamas back then uh, garnered domestic support from Palestinians, many of whom weren't religious. So I wouldn't really, even though it might look sometimes like an inter-religious war, I don't think that that's the primary, um, the best lens through which to view this. I think this is a war of competing nationalities. It's a war of um, refugee, displacement, dispossession, occupation. There's all sorts of um, power uh, oppression, systemic oppression going on that, that can be explained without religion. So summarize it then for for us, if you will, for our listeners. So if it's not about religion, it's about then, and you just were hinting at it a little bit, oppression, obviously people feeling very mistreated. Um, what what essentially does this boil down to? I think historical grievances of Palestinians being under occupation in the West Bank, under siege in Gaza, being refugees unable to return. So major, major, major historical grievances. Hamas um, brings a religious lens to what they do, but it's not, um, the, I don't think it's the primary explainer. On the Israeli side, they're in complete trauma and shock. And um, I mean, it's it, if you think of um, Israelis as the majority of whom are Jews, and 80% are Jews, and Jews have all sorts of historical trauma from centuries of uh, anti-Semitism and, of course, the Holocaust. And so their worst nightmare, any Jew's worst nightmare, is to have an intruder come into one's home and and kill or take hostages. And that's exactly what Hamas has done. So there's a lot of trauma going around right now. What are, and I know you don't have a crystal ball here, but what are some of the broader implications globally from this tension, from from what's already taken place this weekend, I've read that Hamas has connections to Russia. Um, are we looking at something that could expand into a into a broader fight? I don't think. I, I doubt that there will be a broader uh, broader violence at the geopolitical level. But certainly, uh, Israel will probably gain uh, even more support from its allies than we've seen before. Although it has major support 
Um, I don't think any other major powers have a have an interest in making this into an interstate war because Israel, with backing of the U.S. and others, is a formidable military. Mm-hmm. So I don't expect that we'll see that. That and and Hamas has already indicated that they might even be ready to consider a ceasefire. But certainly Israel is going to pummel the. Uh, Gaza Strip, as it already has begun to do, and it's going to continue doing that even harder, I I imagine. And uh, there's a sense of retribution, a sense of revenge, a sense of punishment, a sense of um, how dare you and do not ever do this again is what Israel would be, Israelis would be thinking as they pummel the Gaza Strip. And just to remember that really there's nowhere for these Palestinians to go. Um, they can't leave uh, in uh, the ground into Israel. They they can't. Israel um, guards the waterways. Um, they have no airport. And Gaza, I mean, uh, the other e- exit and entrance from Gaza is the one into Egypt. And Egypt is also very restrictive in who it lets in. Dr. Sukarov, thank you so much for giving such a well-rounded explanation of what's been going on. Really appreciate your time and your expertise. You're very welcome. That's Dr. Mira Sukarov, Professor and Associate Chair of Political Science at Carleton University.